Greetings from Austin, Texas, and welcome to Leadership Subject Matters, podcasts with leadership subjects that matter. Hi, I'm Terry Kaler, your leadership coach and host of the show. This is episode number five. Today's topic is influencing skills. During this episode, I'll be discussing eight things you can do to make influencing discussions more effective. As a reminder, you can find the written version of this podcast on my website at tkaylor.com. There, you'll also find some additional material on leadership and personal development topics. You can also subscribe to the show on all the popular podcasting directories, including iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Google, and Stitcher. To get a complete list of where to listen to the podcast, just visit my website and choose subscribe to podcast from the menu bar. If interested, you can submit questions by using the Ask Terry menu option. I'll answer those questions in future podcasts. Let's get started. We may not realize it, but we spend most of our lives influencing others. As children, we try to convince our parents to buy us toys. As teenagers, we try to convince them to let us stay out late. As young adults, we try to romantically persuade those we are attracted to. And we use our influencing skills at work to sell ourselves and our ideas. It's interesting that we spend very little time learning how to effectively influence others. Imagine two concentric circles. The inner circle can be thought of as our circle of control, while the outer circle is the circle of concern. In the workplace, we often operate within our circle of control. This is the area where we have authority and the decision-making power. It's when we have to operate outside of this circle and into the circle of concern that we need to have a well-developed ability to influence others. Developing effective influencing skills can bring extraordinary rewards to work and to our daily lives. Failure to develop these skills can result in a suboptimal level of effectiveness and performance. It may keep us from achieving our objectives at times. Throughout my career as a coach, I've had the opportunity to lead a few influencing skills workshops. These workshops were designed to help leaders think through an influencing discussion and to come up with win-win outcomes. It was clear to me during these workshops that most of the participants were lacking structure and logic in their approach. Based on this, and on the needs of some of my clients, I've developed an eight-step model to help people improve their ability to influence the people they work with. Let's go through these step-by-step and explore how they might apply to you. The first step in the process is to understand your influencing style. We all have a dominant style which we leverage to get the outcomes we want. The best way to understand your dominant style is to use an assessment. There's some great influencing style assessments out there. One of the most popular ones is the Influencing Style Indicator, otherwise known as ISI. This assessment groups people into two orientations, advocating and uniting, and into five influencing styles inspiring, bridging, negotiating, rationalizing, and asserting. Learning your preferred style, understanding how to use the styles that are unnatural, and knowing how to spot other people's styles 
will help you structure your conversations and achieve win-win outcomes with the people you work with. The next step in the process is to build relationships with potential stakeholders in advance. Make a list of the individuals you may need to influence downstream. People like your manager, skip level manager, direct reports, those are easy to pinpoint. Others might not be so obvious, so make sure you think through the list carefully. Building trusting relationships with these people in advance is important as you may need to leverage these trusting relationships when you might need their support later on. Waiting to build these relationships during a time when you're trying to influence is not an effective approach. Doing so in advance will help you move through the influencing conversation more efficiently and it'll provide you the win-win outcome that you're looking for. Don't just rely on occasional one-on-one conversations to build these relationships. Find ways to interact in casual ways during company events or business functions. The third step in the process is to do your homework on the individual you'll be trying to influence. Most people do not prepare properly for an influencing discussion. It's important to understand the other person's influencing style, what they value, their point of view on the topic, and most importantly, their current state of mind. In addition, make sure you pick the right time to have the discussion. It's a good idea to find the person's chief of staff or someone close to them to better understand how they might react to the conversation. The fourth step in the process is to define a compelling value proposition. This will improve your influencing outcome. Think through the logic and benefits in advance. The proposition should be simple to follow and it should be a win-win. Make it a no-brainer by incorporating or emphasizing elements that are important to the person you're trying to influence. Before the meeting, lay out your storyline and create your talking points and sound bites so that you're prepared to deliver the key messages. It's easy to show up for these discussions and forget what you're going to say. Jot down some key points and check them periodically. The next step in the process is to create a strategy for the conversation. Many people confuse influencing tactics with strategy. An influencing strategy requires preparation and you should consider the following elements. First of all, identify the range of acceptable outcomes and be prepared with the actions you might take if the discussion falls outside of that range. Second, think through the what-if scenarios. Work out where to go when the conversation turns a particular direction. In advance, lay out, if they do this or say this, then I will do or say that. Think of it as a chess game and have your potential moves figured out in advance. Lastly, determine ahead of time what you'll do in the event the discussion reaches an impasse. How will you exit gracefully? Now you're ready for the conversation. I call the first part of the conversation the money minute, and it's the most important part of the influencing discussion. Your opening remarks should make a strong connection with the individual and lay out the fundamentals of your case. The goal of an influencing conversation is collaboration followed by a win-win decision. I've created an ABCD model as an easy way to remember how to structure the conversation. A is for acknowledge. 
Make sure to create an emotional connection with the individual you're influencing by acknowledging the situation and removing any emotional issues. For example, if you're there to make a recommendation on an issue, you can say something like, we realized that last quarter's performance was below plan and we're confident we understand how to fix them going forward. B is for background. Lay out the need for change and make your case. In some cases, the need for change has already been spelled out by senior leaders. In other cases, the need for change needs to be reviewed during the meeting. If the purpose of the influencing discussion is to influence behavioral change, then make sure to outline the consequences of the behavior and the associated need for change. C is for collaborate. Invite the individual to collaborate by using open questions and avoiding putting the individual on the defensive. Use language that keeps the conversation moving in the right direction. Always remember that it's a collaborative discussion, not a monologue. If you find yourself talking too much, then it's not a collaborative conversation. More about that in a minute. Finally, D for decide. This is the outcome of a good collaborative discussion. If done right, you'll both arrive at a win-win recommendation. Make sure you practice your opening statement until you feel comfortable that you can deliver it well. This will help in the event nervousness sits in. The next to last step in the process is to remember to shape the conversation, but don't dominate it. Some people negotiate from a position of authority and they dominate the conversation. They dictate how they want the conversation to unfold or they use too many I statements during the discussion. You may have heard of the term in sports, time of possession, which indicates the total time a team has possession of the ball. Here, we have possession of time. There are times when you want to do most of the talking and other times when the opposite is true. Find the appropriate mix for the conversation. Think about using open questions. Demonstrate welcoming body language. Speak calmly. Pause after important statements and use affirmations selectively. This helps guide and set the tone for the conversation. Eliminate certain words from your vocabulary. Things like tell me or why, but or however. These words have a negative impact and may put the other person on the defensive, something you don't want to do. Make a list of the words you're not going to use and eliminate them from your vocabulary. Lastly, when you're ready to engage in an influencing conversation, it's a great idea to rehearse the conversation with someone in advance. Choose a peer or your coach to help you with a discussion. This simulation will help identify any issues with your storyline or your delivery. You can work on these kinks in advance of the critical influencing discussion. So, the bottom line, prepare for an influencing discussion so you can increase the odds of a successful conversation and so you can achieve your objectives. Understand your style, build relationships in advance, prepare beforehand, define a value proposition, create a strategy, nail your opening statement, and maintain control of the conversation. Armed with this process, you should be able to influence your way to more win-win outcomes. 
I hope this podcast has been useful and that you'll find a way to integrate it into your daily work. Drop me a note and let me know. Now it's time for questions. As a reminder, you can submit questions through my website. Simply go to tkaylor.com and choose Ask Terry from the menu bar. Now let's get to some of the questions on this topic. Question number one. Most of the people I have to influence are senior leaders in the organization. I'm intimidated by their style. What recommendations do you have to overcome my fear of intimidation? Great question. Most often we have to influence people in a position of authority and it's not unusual to feel intimidated by them. After all, there's a great deal of risk associated with a discussion and we feel vulnerable having it. I do have a couple of thoughts on how you can overcome your fear. First, prepare as much as possible in advance. Nothing helps more than great preparation. Second, rehearse. Find someone you trust that would not mind doing some of the role playing with you. Tell them to be extra tough on the questions so you can prepare how you might react. Third, make a list and let the person you are influencing know that you have prepared some notes in advance and ask permission to use them by saying something like, I have prepared some notes in advance. I may reference them from time to time. Most people don't mind that so long as you don't read them the entire meeting. Lastly, be calm. Speak slowly and take deep breaths when you feel the anxiety setting in. Question number two. I'm dealing with another department that refuses to cooperate with mine. How do I persuade them to be a team player? Another good question and one that we all face at some point in our career. My advice is to try to understand what the root of the issue is. Most often, people that refuse to work with us believe that doing so will either impact their performance or risk their image. Typically, there's a performance metric that conflicts with ours. If the reason is not obvious, then I would start your next one-on-one conversation with an acknowledgement statement followed by a consequence related to the behavior. For example, you might say something like, I've noticed over the last couple of weeks that we're not working as one unit and that's impacting our company's performance. What are some of the things I can do to help bring our teams closer together so we can both achieve our objectives? By asking the question in this manner, you're taking joint responsibility for the lack of teamwork, you're asking the individual for help and you're laying out the benefits of your request. Most people will engage positively to this kind of request. Remember that you can ask questions by visiting my website at tkaylor.com. Look for the Ask Terry menu option off the main menu. I'll be happy to answer any question you ask in upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can find others like it, and you can subscribe to these podcasts by visiting my website. Choose Subscribe to Podcasts from the menu. You'll see a few options including iTunes, Spotify, Google, Android, and others. I will also be honored if you could review this podcast or the series on your favorite podcast subscriber site. That would help me out a lot, and it will provide me the needed information from which to make adjustments. Once again, thank you and have a great day.
You've been listening to Leadership Subject Matters, podcast with leadership subjects that matter.